when uh, when we talk about um, mental health disorders, right? There's a food component, mm -hmm. and then there's another component that I want to dive into, which is a previous trauma component to it. Yes. Okay. And uh, it's interesting because most people don't even recognize that they had some sort of emotional trauma in the past that's triggering their behaviors. Right. Can you kind of go into how you know, earlier uh, events, whether they're traumatic or not, not traumatic events, really affect how someone is uh, in the current state? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the younger, the younger that, that these traumatic events happen, the more of an impact you'll have, mm. it'll have on, on, on the person. So the, one of the big challenges for me was as a physician, to me trauma was maybe somebody, something horrible happening, like, like an accident and many people die in the accident, or yeah. someone's limb being ripped off or rape or just something horrible like that. And right. it turns out that the body processes other events that may not seem traumatic to me and you, but to an individual would seems traumatic. So we that so you can find that classified as little t trauma. So there's big t trauma with a capital T mm -hmm. and little t trauma. Little t can be a divorce, mm -hmm. um, psychological abuse. Mm -hmm. It could be not feeling not feeling like they're getting enough love, mm -hmm. like those little things. Um, so so there are things that we may not think that are traumatic, that are traumatic for that individual. The second point is, is that why is it that some people have a traumatic event happen and they seem completely fine? Right, yeah. And other people have the same traumatic event and it really affects them. Right. Three components, three things to look at. Number okay. one, genetics. So we have a genetic predisposition to acting a certain way or being affected by these traumatic ev events. But that's not the only thing. So it's number one is genetics. Yes. Number two is the actual trauma and there you can have compounded trauma. So you can have multiple traumatic events happening in a sequence, right? Okay. The emotional, I'll add four, four. So the emotional state of the person mm -hmm. when, when that traumatic event happens. So if they're not, if they're not, if they are under in that fight flight state already, if they don't have healthy coping mechanisms mm. and then the traumatic event happens, that is very different than someone that is very healthy mentally and then the traumatic event happens and then the fourth one which i kind of threw in and and and, and added in there is from 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 a trauma point of view the the support system so if you don't have a good support system around you right? around you okay, yes okay. yeah no thank you so a support system around you so if a traumatic event happens to me and i don't feel like i can discuss it and talk to anybody and process it and yeah. i have to hold it in yeah that that's that's impactful and what's nuts is you'll find I mean, it's not really nuts but but what's interesting is you'll find people actually had parents that were supportive but they didn't know that they could go to their parent or they could go to their friends with that and they felt like some reason they could keep it in hmm. and when they keep it and, and holding it in and not being able to process it is huge so those are the four things I know they were all over the place but gotcha yeah. and maybe uh, I can even add a fifth thing into there is actual physical trauma too in terms of like concussions for example right right so I've had nine <laughs> okay, and then I have a gene that predisposes me to Alzheimer's disease called APLE4. I have one of the one of the one of the two copies, and so um, after each concussion, the next concussion became much easier. So our brain has a priming mechanisms or immune system of our brain, and we call these glial cells and astrocytes. 
Um, so they go into almost uh, a characteristic called the M1 uh, phenotype, which uh, is prime for that re-injury. Now, as it turns out, uh, just because there's no head trauma doesn't mean that you can't get a concussion either, right? So there's secondary trauma, whiplash, and stuff like that. And the other thing is sometimes when we eat inflammatory foods, it's also causing the same prime, priming mechanism that are in the brain that's mediated by these cytokines that we talk about, mediated by our immune system. And so, you know, for me, what happened, and, and my story is, you know, about four or five years after my last concussion, you know, I developed a lot of, like, tics and tremors and stuff like that. And then my short-term memory became impaired. And then um, what's interesting is that the way I spoke was, was very different. My word, even my word choice was very mm. different. And then I have to have a huge lapse in just thinking about, okay, what am I trying to say here? And that created this, this, uh, this, this downward spiral where that triggered me to remind myself that when I first came to America, I had a really hard time assimilating. Mm. I was a tall Asian kid <laughs> trying to assimilate into a Mexican-American culture because that's the neighborhood I grew in. Uh, and then also ultimately going to the American culture because I was an ESL English English for second uh, as a second language, so I actually learned a lot of Spanish first prior to English um, being in Houston, and so that created a a whole like downward spiral where I kept thinking going back to that, but it was I didn't think it was a traumatic for me, but because I developed these neurological symptoms because I had a lot of these brain trauma, that kind of became a thing for me or my identity was no longer as solid as it was just by reverting back to that. Do you, do you see that a lot? I do, and, uh, and I actually wanna, I wanna talk about that, the trauma of, yeah. of leaving that you came from China. China. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. coming from China to America. Right. And I mean, that's traumatic for a child anyway. That's, you're displacing their whole environment. Everything yeah. kind of changes. But um, back to traumatic brain injury, where yeah. yes, that makes things worse. And actually, one of the things that we think happens is that you hit the brain, where you hit the head and the brain kind of moves, mm. and the brain gets afraid, or parts of it gets afraid that it's not getting enough oxygen yeah. because it decreases blood flow. And those parts of the brain can go into a hibernation state, not a death state. So they hibernate, and then the brain doesn't work as well. And when you do certain things to help tell the brain it's okay, you can, you're, you're not in danger anymore and turn it back on, mm -hmm. that can be life-changing. But sometimes that never happens and it never gets that signal and it just stays hibernated and it gets atrophied. So then it just stops growing because it's not being used. Yeah, that's, that's scary. It is, it is. <laughs> so what are, what are the tricks to start this process of the healing process to get that part of the brain out of the hibernation and get you optimized? From physical trauma? Uh, from both, yeah. Okay, so from physical trauma, definitely nutrition, mm -hmm. exercise, working on your psychological spiritual state, but exercise will increase blood flow to the brain, mm -hmm. so hopefully it'll oxygenate you more, so it'll give more oxygen to that area, yeah. so the brain realizes it's okay, and then for some patients I recommend hyperbaric oxygen, and hyperbaric oxygen is used in America, it's approved for wounds, Wound like healing, yeah. wounds yeah. but it's used in other countries for other things. And, and basically what happens is, is that you end up getting oxygen under pressure and then not just your red blood cells, but the water in your blood gets oxygen. Okay. And then that now you have all this extra oxygen flowing to that area of the brain so it can wake up. Okay. So that's, that's physical trauma. Psychological trauma there's different types of mind-body trauma work that can be done. And 
I would say one of the biggest things to do is to get learn how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. What does that mean? Okay, so <laughs> what happens is, is that usually, here, here's the problem with trauma. Trauma will lead to the way that we react to our environment. Mm -hmm. So if you had a lot of physical trauma, if you had a parent that was physically, let's say, physically abusing, then what happened is, is now that child kind of learns that at any second, the people that should be taking care of them can harm them, right? So, what, so, so that some kids will end up physically fighting back, which usually that's like a death sentence, but some will physically fight back no matter what, and if, if the parent doesn't take it too far, when they're older, they're always angry, and they're always, they're always going to that anger state and always going to that fight back state. But when you get angry, that's a form of flight. So uh, to try to, the other thing that they can do is they can freeze, that child could freeze up. And when they freeze up, it's, it's, it's also a defense mechanism because if you have this overwhelming force, right. then your body freezes up and hopefully whatever is giving you that trauma will get bored and leave you alone. And then the third thing is flight, running away. So now that, that, that grown man or grown woman that's went through that trauma, as a child, okay. as a child, went yeah. through it as a child, is now an adult. Right. Now something happens and they feel uncomfortable. Maybe maybe too many stressors and not enough stress mechanisms. Okay. Maybe maybe something happens where where somebody says something and it makes them feel insecure. Uh, somebody says something that angers them, and they f don't feel right. They don't feel comfortable. They don't feel happy. Yeah. What happens is instead of just sitting and in that emotion and feeling that emo that negative emotion, because negative emotions have benefit as well. Right. So instead of feeling that negative emotion, somebody dies and it's sad. So they feel that, so then they go to their go-to switch. So they could they could pick a fight, so that goes that's going into fight. So that's learned from the previous yeah, trauma as a child, from, right? Learned from the previous ones. Yeah. So when you're sad, and you flip it to anger, sometimes anger feels better than sad. Mm -hmm. so especially sometimes gender stereotype. Men, it's not okay for them to be sad, they have to be tough, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, everybody's different, but that's kind, of, that's kind of one of them. Right. Or if they froze up, now that person just freezes up, right? And then, or flight. Now the interesting thing about flight or running away, you can mentally run away. And freezing up is a way of m mentally running away. So how can you mentally run away? You can eat food. Mm -hmm. And when you eat food, your body releases different neurotransmitters that make you feel better. Mm -hmm. You can you can play a video game mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours. You can get caught up in work. Mm -hmm. That's that's a form of flight. And actually, fight is a form of flight too, because you're not dealing with the feeling, the issue. You're running away from it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying you. So what you what you really want to do is learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Learning how to sit there and to feel it and to analyze and to not make. Learn your body to where you're not making major life decisions. You're not picking right. a fight with your loved one. You're not to where you're able to sit, you're able to breathe through it, you're able to hold it and feel it and not run away from it. Because when you run away from it, it becomes bigger. Mm -hmm. right? That shadow gets bigger. But if you face it on and you say, okay, what am I feeling? And you honor that feeling, it dissipates. Right. It's, it's like the... Uh the old saying that you can't teach a dog new tricks, um, you can as long as the dog's willing to accept the new tricks coming in right. and not behaving from a previous prime mechanism as a puppy. 
right? Right, right so right. in animal training which i took courses on that <laughs> okay when my two dogs were puppy um, that's part of the part of the deal is that as you're bringing your puppies up mm -hmm. make sure they're open to a lot of experiences mm -hmm. and to become frightened about something make sure the dog knows it's okay to be frightened and they move on and so um it's funny because i kind of did that with my kids my kids are three and five currently and so, you know, everything that they feel like is a frightening experience, we talk through it and make them, hey, it's, under, it's okay to cry, it's okay to whatever, which is very opposite of my childhood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Growing up in, in China, it was, it was, it was very different, um, where, you know, I was a very, very large kid. Well, I'm still a very large kid, but I was an exceptionally large kid. I broke the record for the longest and heaviest baby in the, in the, <laughs> in the, in the medical school system that my, I was born into. And because of my size, my grandmother told me that my job, you know, you, me, me as a three-year-old is to be a man. And for you to not show emotion, to be the strongest, because you're built like an ox, so your mind has to be like an ox, mm -hmm. right? Which that is, uh, that can, that created a lot of expectations for, you know, for me as a kid. And that uh, cascaded into very um, unachievable expectations for myself as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. And then so all of a sudden I'm in that flight stage where I have, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to, I have to conquer this and almost be a perfectionist in, in some standards. But at the same time, um, if it doesn't achieve the way I want to, it, I go back into reverting to that trauma as a child and flying from it, you know? And you know, and what's interesting is, so yeah. that traumatic event happened, with, yeah. which led you to who you are today. Yeah. And now look at societal benefit. You, you are successful in your practice. You're an author of two books. You've influenced large amounts of people, and 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 what 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 really, at some so there is a benefit of that trauma. But what what ends up happening is is that what what I see often happening, and I know you've done a lot of your work as well, your 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 own personal work. Yeah. But uh, but what can happen is is that you're, everybody looks at you and sees this extremely successful per successful person, right. but inside it's not not enough. Right. You're an author, right? It mm -hmm. makes you stand apart from how many mm -hmm. how many how many pe how many people are not authors. What percentage of the population is, is are, are, are are authors? Yeah. You're a physician. You're you are a internet sensation, right? So you're so all of these people that you're influencing, yeah. but inside at some point. If you don't do your work, you can't. You won't be able to turn it off. Exactly. So, so trauma. There is a benefit to it. So you true. need a drive. If mm -hmm. somebody, if nobody has any type of trauma in their life, if they have nothing bad ever happens, and they always get what they want, not gonna, challenged. Yeah. Not, if they're not challenged, then what's the point? Yeah, right? Exactly. So 